Hi, and welcome to the Sailorville Church Podcast. My name is Abe Miller, along with Pat Nemers, once again, talking about the new Easter series, From Grief to Glory, which we're in the second week of, and uh, this, is, this, is a big, uh, this is a big week, a big month, I should say, as we, as we move towards Easter, and uh, it's, been, it's been already, the last two weeks have been really good as far as the messages have gone. How do you not love this time of year? If you're, especially if you're a follower of Christ, this is, I mean, and you got everything going for you. You got the weather starting to get warmer. You got stuff starting to come up out of the ground. Even the spring, spring speaks of resurrection, you know, from the deadness of winter to, Mm -hmm. and I think Martin Luther talked about that, but then you got people that are coming out, will come to church. I mean, our attendance in all churches starts to go up at this time of year and sort of climaxes, so to speak at Easter. And, uh, so yeah, these are, these are great days and love this series preaching truth that a lot of people have already known, read, or even studied. And in my case preached on many, many times, Mm -hmm. but I get reinvigorated every time I come to the passion of Jesus. Yeah, we're all, and we're we were just talking before the podcast just about Good Friday and Easter, and we're excited about what's coming and what that's going to look like as we yeah. celebrate the you know the death and resurrection of Christ, which is what we're all about. It's why we exist. It's it is like you have said before. It's the Super Bowl of of why we why we do what we do and yeah. why we exist. I mean, can you believe it? For many years, I mean, is you know, for many years we didn't even have a Good Friday service, but then probably whatever fifteen years ago we we started one. And our people have come out of the woodwork. Our Good Friday services, we pack them out. And now we're, we've got three services were offered this year. What are those times? You, do you know the times offhand? Uh, 3.30, 5, and 6.30, I think. that's. Okay. Uh, I'll make sure that's the right. I don't want to false advertise. Okay. So Good Friday, 3.35 and 6.30. And uh, so, and they're going to be, it's really going to be fun this year uh, because Good Friday, last year, a lot of our people here at Sailorville Church and uh, the many who, who visited us on those, they were epic. They were just, we had this big round. Uh, we we bought a bunch of equipment that came in and uh, it was a very dramatic Good Friday service. This year, we're going to be a little more traditional and uh, we're going to have a lot of traditional music. Uh, but we're also, we've got, uh, we're going to be, we're going to have a different look on the platform. Uh, we're going to be uh, emphasizing the word and of course, spending our time around the Lord's table, as you would expect to do on Good Friday as we remember the death of Jesus. Then on Easter, I'm not going to explain right here what we're going to do, but believe you me, it's going to be really, really cool what we're doing on Easter. And uh, I'll just drop a hint. It's centered around some of the baptism, so we'll kind of leave it at that. Mystery, mystery. (laughs) You're going to want to be there. Yeah, so hey, let's let's jump into this this message and you entitled you titled it you know the cup, um, but just give us a quick overview of kind of the direction you were going and a quick overview, and we'll jump into some of this. And this is you know we were even talking beforehand. This is you know theologically deep and and very like foundational, I guess, and impactful, and really is the the story of the gospel and um, what Christ did for us and taking yeah. that on. And so it's, there's a lot of theological meat there, but yet is so foundational, important to what we believe as Christians and as believers uh, that really, if we don't understand this, then we're really not understanding the gospel. Yeah. 
So as we've sort of, we're not preaching a lengthy uh, multi-week series. It is just four weeks all total. And, uh, but so we've had to be kind of selective as, as you know, uh, a week ago, Sunday, we uh, preached on just the anticipation of his death, Jesus anticipating it in his life. And then, of course, last week we went in the Garden of Get- Gethsemane. It's interesting, isn't it, that the, the Bible has uh, sort of on the bookends of the Bible, you have the Garden of Eden and then the Garden of Paradise. But in the middle, you have the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, you know, where Jesus uh, was tempted and, uh, you know, where he pleaded with God and uh, and then he uses that metaphor that we titled the message, the cup. You know, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. We talked about the cup. We talked about the metaphor of the cup. And uh, but uh, we know what we do with cups. We, we, we drink something out of those out of a cup. And in this case, he was, you know, the question was, what was he ingesting, mm-hmm. so to speak? And, um, you know, I was pretty passionate about this and I still am very passionate about this. I, you know, I've, I've heard many people, preachers and otherwise say, well, the cup was like, there was one thing in the cup. It was the cup of wrath of God. And I, I, I agree it was, but it wasn't only that it was a cup of sorrow. You know, his, he, it was in the context where he said, my soul is surrounded by sorrow. So it was that it was a cup of sin as it was a cup of separation. I mean, unimaginable, the, triune God was part of it. One third of the, tri- of the Trinity, the person of Jesus being separated from the father and, and then a cup of substitution. I think we're going to go back to that here in a little bit. Uh, that is Christ dying for us. And then, uh, you know, the cup of salvation, this is, it, this is what it was. And I think it's pretty cool. Is it not that we celebrate the Lord's table and what do we do at the Lord's table? We, we eat bread and we drink from a cup, uh, you know, the cup, representing the the death of Jesus. So that's that was the focus. And I think I said it repeatedly. You know, here Jesus is in this place of surrender. He didn't come to be saved. He he came yeah. to he came to he came to save. And I I just thought of this just now. Remember there's there is a time earlier where Jesus said, "What am I supposed to say? Father, save me from this hour?" You know, and that's kind of what he did. He said, "Father, I, I'd like you to save me yeah. from this hour." Yeah, please. <laughs> But then he surrenders and says, uh, not my will, but yours. So at the very end of the message, you did something after we had sung, you came up and kind of gave a extra point at mm. the end. What was that extra point? Because if you were listening online, like on the podcast, it wasn't on there because that's after the oh after the message. Oh, so we don't put that on there. Well, it wasn't on the one I listened to. Oh, okay. All right. So uh, that is true. And uh, even Tanner, our videographer and technology guy who's, who's with us right now, taping all of this, recording all this rather, um, point out he doesn't remember me ever doing that before. I actually have done it, but not only once or twice, maybe at all. So I added a, a sixth uh, point that was the cup of satisfaction, I said. And uh, that's when I went up and I went up to, and it was, this was spurred the moment. I I was really, really thirsty that morning and I, and I had some water and I just drank the entire, uh, 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 bottle of water before I went up and preached and I was holding that empty bottle. And I said to our congregation, when I finished drinking that water, I was satisfied. I didn't need any more water as a result of that. I was, I was quenched, you know, I, I was hydrated, so mm-hmm. to speak. 
when Jesus died, the Bible tells us he, he, he was the propitiation, 1 John 2, 2. He was the propitiation for our sins. And that word means to be satisfied. It, it, it appeased, it satisfied God uh, and all the righteous requirements that were necessary. And so we often say that when Jesus died, he absorbed, you know, ingested, absorbed the wrath of God. And thus God the Father was satisfied Mm-hmm. And and we're the we're, and we are the beneficiaries of uh, of that satisfaction, so yeah. we can be satisfied. Yeah, you made a comment, uh, kind of towards the beginning. Maybe you said, you know, the, the grief of Jesus has been sanitized, <laughs> romanticized, and commercialized. Yeah, nice little and, rhyme there. Um, so, so what did you mean by that? And then. Why, why, you know, this whole concept, I mean, there's just so many deep things here, this whole, this whole message, but why is it so important for believers to understand mm. it, grasp it, get it? Because I think you're right. It has become this commercialized, you yeah. know, like, oh yeah, go to church, do your thing and then go about life. And, um, but why is it so important for us to understand this and not just be like, oh, that's, they're using too big of words. Yeah. They, yeah. those are theological things. Just give me the to-do list. Why is that? Well, something just came to my mind as you asked the question, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to operate off of that right now. Uh, on the sanitized part, I'm, I'm referring to, just think of some of the pictures you have in your mind. I think of my childhood pictures. I think of classic art, for instance, uh, great art, but classic art that depicts the crucifixion of Jesus. And you'll have a little blood here and a trickle of blood there, and you'll have the crown of thorns pressed on his head and maybe a little trickle of blood on his, uh, on his, eye, on his brow, rather. Uh, but any of us know, have done any kind of investigation into the crucifixion of Jesus, it was horrific. And uh, uh, it would be nothing you'd want to look at. You would, in fact, it, Isaiah says you wouldn't even want to look at him. It's so bad. And Isaiah says he's, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was so beat up, cut up, lacerated, you, you, you could not recognize him. Mm. That's what Isaiah says. And, uh, and really, that's what Mel Gibson did with his yeah. passion. He made him unrecognizable. I mean, that's, I mean, if you've watched, in fact, our, our community group, we're going to do this. I haven't watched that. I've only watched the whole thing once. I could hardly take it. I just couldn't hardly mm. take it. And... Uh, uh, it just was so powerful and realistic. And even Mel uh, Gibson says, and I don't think we even got half of it. Yeah. That's he said. He says that himself, which I appreciate his admission to that. But um, our community group is going to watch it here in a week. And I almost have to brace myself yeah. to do that. So, um, and, but this is what comes to my, came to my mind when you asked the question. Um, a long time ago, I was contemplating this and it hit me that what, what, why would Jesus be so, so annihilated before he died? <laughs> why would he be so beat up, cut up? Uh, uh, why would he be, be so lacerated and, and tortured, literally tortured before dying? I mean, the Bible, um, it, well, Isaiah does say that, but if we didn't have that in Isaiah, there's not a lot of, uh, of uh, Old Testament scripture that talks about his him being this way. And it does say that he had to be crucified. Zachariah says he had to be pierced. So we have that. Uh, Psalm 22 says that. So what, you know, God, why just, I mean, crucifixion is bad enough. I mean, why, why do you got to do all that? I think, I personally think that 
what Jesus looked like, literally looked like hanging it like a piece of meat on a, on a piece of limber or timber rather. Um, I think it was a picture of what he was taking upon himself. How do you depict someone taking upon the world's sin? And I think visually speaking, it was through all that he went through even before he went up on that cross. So, yeah, yeah and, my, my kids, uh, going back to the passion, my kids watched it. We had them watch it when they were pretty young and, and they still talk about it and how that, that image is etched in their mind. And they, they just like you, they, they had to brace themselves and they even think about it now, but it is, you have some people say like, well, we don't want to, we don't want our kids to see that. And I, and I was, I was on the other hand of like, I want my kids to see that. Mm-hmm. I want them to understand how, terrible it was and how gruesome it was and the picture of what yeah what he was taking uh for us i had somebody tell me just the other day they got saved after watching the passion mm-hmm. of the christ i'm sure mel gibson didn't intend him to, to get saved the way we t- where the bible speaks of it he's a roman catholic guy yeah. you know but uh he this individual was so moved by what jesus did visually speaking and i don't know that we're supposed to visualize it i i mean I mean, Isaiah does, Isaiah, I'm talking about, I keep saying Isaiah, we're talking about, most people go to Isaiah 53, but I'm talking about those couple of verses just before Isaiah 53, which describe his, his visage or his face being so marred, so, so disfigured, you wouldn't recognize him. So we do have that. I mean, why would the Bible tell us that if, if, you know, we're visual people to some degree, why would the Bible tell us that if God doesn't want us to somehow kind of envision that without, you know, without creating an idol out of it. So, so kind of the second part of my question there was, you know, why is this so important for believers? If, 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 um, if a believer doesn't grasp this, let's say, or doesn't understand the wrath, the, the substitution, what, what, how are they missing the gospel, not getting a full grasp of the gospel? Because, a lot of this stuff, you know, we've we've talked about like Jesus died for your sins, right? Or mm-hmm. you know, it's generalized. Yep. It's it's simplified on yep. some level, but you get into this passage and it becomes deeper and there's all of these what's in the cup. Oh man, all I've heard is the wrath of, you know, the wrath of God. But like what are we missing if we don't grasp all of this? Mm. If you're already a follower of Jesus, yeah, yeah I think you're missing uh real worship because if you're going to worship the son of God, like we're called to do, we should understand more and more the blessing of the atonement. That's why I have always, when people ask me, you know, what's your top five books? That's always the question a preacher gets asked, you know, and I'll, I, 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 some of those books will kind of move up and down in the order. (laughs) Uh, My favorite couple of books uh, have kind of slipped into the uh, six to 10, you know, since uh, I was first asked that question. But one book has always remained in the top five. And that is The Cross of Christ by jo- uh, John Stott. Yeah. And uh, that book is so rich. And I'm hoping that listeners out there hear this will go out and buy that book. It's an older book now. But it is, a, it is one of the richest books you'll ever read on the person, the death, the sacrifice, the substitutionary atonement of Jesus. 
and all that it meant. I don't know of anybody who gets it deeper than that, at least for, for mm. my ears and my mind. So I think it helps us to become deeper worshipers of the Lord Jesus. Um, and I mean, we get it. I mean, you know, on the other hand, a child doesn't have to know a whole lot, but they better understand substitution in some way. Even if, like, even if, you know, the word substitution, we don't really think in terms of, you know, we don't talk like that to a kid. But when you use the word for, as I mentioned it and yeah. emphasized it in my message, you are talking substitution. And, uh, and at some point, even a child has to, on some level, mm. has to understand that this, th- this man, this God man, died instead of them. Yeah, for. Yeah. So. Yep. So moving into one of the, the cup of sorrow, um, you had talked about, you know, you, you gave a personal illustration mm-hmm. about the cup during, um, was that two years ago at the Good yeah. Friday yeah. Um, experience? And you talked about, you know, my, taking my sorrow and, and um, but you, you said, you said something just, you know, Jesus knows and feels your sorrows and will take your sorrows. And I think there's probably a lot of people that are, you know, with all of the people coming here listening to this and and they're just they're they're in they're ha- they have sorrow they're they're in a tough spot right now i mean how how does how does this how does this message that point encourage them how would you what 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 do they need to do right now if they're in that situation where they're they're just hurting they're really like yeah. like you were when you wrote on the cup yeah well um i know it was probably the the only real practical part of the message per se. And uh, I kind of, it kind of gets that way when you're getting to the cross, you know, you're, the focus becomes on Jesus and what he did Mm -hmm. for us, you know? So, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I referred to this, I was going through a, a a very, very heartbreaking time in my life. And uh, it wasn't something that happened overnight and, and left overnight of something that, uh, was uh, on me for some time, and uh, and as I said in the message, I wasn't ready for it. If you remember, I was just I was sort of leading our people right. to the next yep. station, and and I I it just I almost, I almost could not walk to the next station. I was so broken, and and uh, you know I picked up the cup and I wrote you know the thing that I was I, I was willing to say, not my will, but your will be done, Lord, and. And I wrote my and my and then my personal thing, but it just you know the passage says that Jesus was surrounded by sorrow and to the point where it about killed him, and uh, you know as you were saying it, I thought of uh, something that happened to me. I don't even know if I've told you this before. So I pastored this country church for about a dozen years, and it was growing. But in the early days, we were just a little church, a little tiny church, 20, 30-some people. And on Sunday nights, you know, and, you know, if you're Baptist, you always have Sunday night Amen. service, you know. So, uh, uh, we, I mean, there might have been 30 people in the church that night. And seriously, I don't think there was more than that. And I can, I can even remember the passage I was preaching out of. And, uh, and I was just preaching my guts out. You know, I was really passionate about uh, about what Jesus did in Hebrews chapter one, where after he had done all they did, he died for our sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. And, and um, right in the middle of my preaching, there was a woman visiting. I, I know we had 30 people. One of them was a visitor. And, uh, and I, I didn't know her from Eve. 
And she says, what do you, what do you know? You're too young. You don't even understand. You, you have no idea what I'm going through. She yelled that out right in the middle of the message while I'm preaching mm. with the pulpit in front of me. So what was I supposed to do? I was sort of arrested because she, I, mean, I wasn't ready for somebody to interrupt my it's message. not normal. You know? And so uh, I, I uh, and God just uh, really, and I was young. I probably was, I was probably 29 or 30. I was like John's age. And, John uh, who? Huh? John who? John Numbers, I'm sorry, our, uh, our, our church planter. Yeah, okay. So, um, and, I, and God just got a hold of my heart to say, and he just spoke to me to say, uh, love this woman. Mm. And so I walked right toward her, and I stood right, I walked away from the pulpit, walked right up to her, and I put my hand on her shoulder, and I said, I don't know who you are, and I don't know what you've been through, but I want you to know I'm really, really sorry for you. And I hope you'll uh, forgive me for not knowing all that you've gone through. And, you know, she really settled down, sat down. And later, and that was the highlight of everybody's, <laughs> of course it was the highlight, you know, pastor, what's he going to do now? He's been called out. And, uh, but I was grateful for the way the Lord moved in that. But because I, I couldn't relate to her. I didn't know what she was going through. And I was really young. And I, I hadn't had a ton of experiences. My wife was, my, my first wife was, still going to be with me for the next seven years, you know, seven or eight years. And uh, so, um, uh, but Jesus has gone through all that. And that's why it tells us we don't have a high priest who can't relate to us. He can. He was tempted in every point like you and me, according to Hebrews 4, but he never sinned. He never gave in and capitulated to sin or the temptation and that's why we can come boldly to him and, and that's what that's the answer go, go to jesus i know it's the old answer but go to jesus he mm. is the one who understands your sorrow who feels your pain and he'll uh, he'll alleviate your circumstances in time if you know him and heaven heaven is there i have somebody very close to me right now who shared with me and a marco here just the other day uh you know what Things are really hard, but I, I keep reminding myself that heaven will clear all this up. That's a great view. Yeah, that's good. So the one, the, one of the other ones was the cup, a cup of sin, and he drank the entire cup. You know, Jesus drank the wrath of God. You know, the, the, you do hear some people say, I thought God was loving. I thought he was caring. And now you're talking about the wrath of God. Well, that's confusing. Why, why, you know, so maybe just explain that quickly about like the wrath of God. And then, and then you said, you said it multiple times, you can kind of go into this too, but you said it multiple times. Um, he drank it down to the dregs mm-hmm. and that's, I mean, it's in the passage, it's in there, but, um, maybe explain that a little bit of what does that mean? And, and you use it several times. So, so there's two, two questions there. Uh, what, what is the wrath of God? Yeah. And, okay. and, and what did Jesus, you know, what did Jesus do? Because people think of God as, well, he's loving. He's caring. Why? Right. Why is there the wrath of God? Mm-hmm. Like, well, we have to remember that God. When we talk about God, we can't just talk about one favorite characteristic. Every once in a while, we'll say, "Hey, what's your favorite characteristic of God?" And someone says, "His faithfulness." Someone says, "His great love," and someone says, uh, "You know, his." compassion or something. There's always these positive. You never hear somebody, I love his holiness, you know. <laughs> well, but isn't that the foundation of all of his other characteristics? I mean, when the angels were surrounding him in Isaiah 6, they weren't saying love, love, love. They weren't saying mercy, mercy, mercy. 
You know, they weren't saying compassion, compassion, compassion. They were saying holy, holy, holy. Mm. But the holiness is what separates him from us. And uh, his justice, that he's a just God, also separates him from us because we're not just. That's why he, that's why the scripture says the one who is just made the unjust just, you know? Um, so I think it's important for us to understand that God is a God of wrath. That, that speaks of his anger. Uh, that speaks of his disposition towards sinners. But if you're in Christ, that changes everything. In fact, Christ has already made it changed God's disposition toward us, so to speak. And, uh, uh, his, his wrath will abide on you forever if you don't know Jesus. That's what, that's what John 3.36 says. The wrath of God abides on you currently mm. and, uh, and will abide on you, and you'll go into eternity and hell itself uh, drinking the wrath of God if you don't receive the one who absorbed that wrath, namely Jesus. So... And so, yeah, I mean, you're referring the dregs you're referring to. I, I had a couple of scriptures, and I'll just remind you. One of them was from uh, Psalm 75. It says, for in the hand of the Lord, there is a cup uh, with foaming wine, well mixed. I mean, that, that well mixed reminds me of the illustration I shared in the message. You know, this the kids drinking that suicide pop. They go right. to those fountains. They hit every drink. You know, these terrible, you know. But this being all of the stuff that Jesus took, you know, uh, and he pours it out, pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs. So that's what's going to happen. If you don't trust Jesus as your Savior, you'll drink the wrath of God down to the dregs. Praise God, Jesus did it for you. He drank the wrath of God down to the dregs. And the best way I can describe dregs is if, I hope we have a few coffee drinkers out there that are listening here, okay? So a um, uh, little personal note here. I love coffee, but I love, in the morning, I make my wife and I, uh, we have, uh, we our first cup of coffee in the morning is a French press, which, by the way, you know, that's the purest form of coffee. You do know that, don't you, Abe? Sure. Okay. I, I don't know what kind of coffee. You're, you're probably just drinking from a... Yeah, from I just the, do the drip stuff. Yeah, you're just, either that or carry. You're always drinking yeah, yeah, that yeah. swill. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, but if you have a French press, you know, you do it right, you put it in there, it's, it, you know, it soaks for three or four minutes, and then you, you know, you, you know, you push the plunger down, it's, it, it, it screen separates it, and then you pour your coffee, you have this wonderful cup of coffee. Uh, but I also drink from a clear glass. It's kind of a, it's a special cup that was given to me by my son-in-law. It keep, you can hold it, you know, it doesn't, it's not too hot. It's one of these double pane type of glass. You can see right through it though. And I drink it. I drink that thing all the way down to about a half an inch. <laughs> I don't drink it to the dregs because the dregs are the, are all of the sediment, uh, the remainder. It's, it's really thick and dark and A cloudy. real man would drink that. Well, yeah, I'm a lesser than a real man when it comes to this. <laughs> I have drank it before, okay. but I usually go, ooh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. So <laughs> I usually drink it down to about a half an inch and I stop. Uh, the dregs are the bottom. It's the bottom of the cup. It's whatever there. The point there of that passage is that Jesus, as the old hymn writer put it, Jesus paid it all. We might say it differently. Jesus drank it all. All to him I owe, right? Mm. Sin had left a crimson stain. You know, he washed it white as snow. Yep. Yeah, that's good. What? How, how does that encourage us, right? Because, I mean, like, it's it. He drank it all. Yeah. 
it's not pieces. It's not a little bit. It's not Jesus plus something or yeah. pl- plus what I've done, right? I mean, so how is that? How does that just encourage us as believers uh, when we think about our our walk with the Lord and you know, especially like with dealing with sin and condemnation um, and whatever guilt or forgiveness? You know, if we really truly understand the gospel and what forgiveness looks like, then we we should be okay to confess sin because we, because Jesus covered it all. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We never want to um, minimize the um, the the assault upon God that sin is. He hates sin. We should hate it too. And when we sin, we should run to God for forgiveness and based on what Jesus has done for us. But when we run to God, we don't have to go worrying whether or not we're forgiven. Mm. If our hearts are broken, if we're sad over our sin, listen, God will forgive us. He promised us that. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so to me, the fact that Jesus drank the wrath of God down to the dregs is to say that it's all been taken care of. So when I sin, like I quoted this at the end, and that last point, First John 1 says, my little children, or First John 2, my little children, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. I love this. It's one of my favorite New Testament when it comes to being encouraged. I write these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone sins, isn't that cool? In other words, he's saying, I don't want you to sin, but if you do sin, mm. I love that. I just love that. It's like God saying, I get it. You're not going to, you're just not going to be able to pull it off. Yeah. Okay. But if you, if you do sin, Hey, I got great news for you. We have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but the sins of the whole world. I love those two verses because it's, it's, it's the answer to your question. It says, run to Jesus. Uh, you've, you, you already know him. You're his child and uh, uh, he'll never forsake you. Yeah, that's so good. I feel like I've learned that through my life. I feel like it, it, there's been times where I've, I've, you know, sin makes us want to hide or we want to go, you know, like don't expose, you know, I don't want to talk about it. Let's not say anything, which, you know, is pride and I want to cover up and which is the natural sense. But like just the understanding that of running to Christ it's been covered. There's forgiveness there. I was just reading today in, in uh, Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Yeah. Which I think is just a great. I love that verse because I think it it it's such an encouragement to say, hey, listen, if we if we truly believe the gospel and we truly believe in in grace and forgiveness and mercy and what that all means, then we shouldn't our we shouldn't be running to the darkness and hiding, but we should be running to expose it and to confess it and to deal with it because that is the gospel, right? It's That's forgiveness, and, yeah. and I expect you to forgive me if I come to you and and ask you to, hey, I sinned against you. Like, will you forgive me? Like, yeah, because of the gospel. Yeah, yeah. Where sometimes I think we get that messed up, and we we don't want to do that. And it and it it doesn't always have to deal with your feelings. I mean, like, I mean, just the other day, uh, my wife and I had a little domestic squabble and uh, both of us had to ask each other to forgive one another. And it wasn't frivolous. And we just, we just didn't treat one another very well in a moment. And uh, you know, I, I asked her to forgive me and she forgave me and uh, she asked me to forgive her and I forgave her. And you could tell there was still some hurt there, but, but there was one big difference. 
we were forgiven first by God and then for one another, and we could go on. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the gospel. And there's freedom there. You're not holding, it's not holding over you yep. or you're Amen. holding it over one another. That's great. Yep. yep. Amen. Any other, uh, any other things we don't often talk about this, but anything else that you left out that you were like, Oh man, I wish I could have dug into that more. Or these were some other thoughts or an illustration that you, you left out just because of time. And, um, you wish you could have, could have went deeper with, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I should have probably you you had mentioned earlier today to uh, that you might bring something like that up, and I I'm just now pulling up. I've I've got it. You can look at you can look at across yeah, here. I've yeah, got it. This it. is a whole page of stuff that ends up on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> and I just uh, I I just uh, you know just was unable to get to it. And uh, I, as I look at it, I'm, I'm not going to comment because I think we're just going to go off on another subject. Yeah. But nothing is just jumping out at me yeah. right now. But it is often the case, you know, that as I refine these messages and get them into the 30 to 35 minutes we got, you know, that you got to jettison some of it. And sometimes you just, they're good for the next Easter or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, uh, that's about it. Well, we appreciate you guys as you as you communicate, I mean, it takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of study, a lot of seeking the Lord to, to pull it off for a, you know, a 30 minute message that's powerful, that's impactful, all within the time constraints because of the services that we have and stuff. Yeah. So I think it's, thanks for doing that. What's, what's coming up next, next week, kind of take us through to up to Easter. So next week, uh, Pastor Jason Jackson is going to be preaching, and he's going to be preaching on the trial of Jesus and the failure of Peter. We all know what happened with Peter. Uh, he's going to tackle that, and it's going to be very powerful, and it'll be very practical for us as well. So we're going to have both Jesus before him as he was illegally tried, and then what was going on with Peter, who so valiantly claimed he would never forsake Jesus— just before he did. And uh, so that's what he'll be doing. And then uh, we will go to the crucifixion itself on Good Friday. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the like, like the old preacher said, it's Friday, but <laughs> Sunday's coming. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thanks.